This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. We all remember the big moments in the movies we see. The big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, and the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Today's episode is The Heavenly Kid. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie, Microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I'm your gracious host. Alongside me, the absolutely engulfed in bandwidth, Justin Waddell. Justin, how are you? I am uh, okay, Nick. Thank you for asking. It's my pleasure. We're here on a Sunday, uh, getting ready for the old week, getting ready for everything to be perfectly normal out there. Can't wait. Cannot wait. But I'll tell you what, the one thing that I I can wait for is an end to this massive influx of just comments, opinion pieces. I am staggered by the stuff I've been hearing from you folks out there. Uh, If uh, if this were a video cast, you would see me curtsy for you uh, as a shot as a show of my respect and appreciation for all that you do constantly. Uh, on the message boards, on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram. You guys are just, I mean, we are, I mean, I have to, sometimes I have to pat my forehead from the sweats that you guys are causing me with all this. You think it's, you think it maybe it's us. Mm. I think that might be it. You know, you and I comment on our own podcasts and make each other laugh. And, um, what do you think? You think that's not good enough? You would like to hear from like a third person, other I, than us. I, you know, we got into this to entertain and to and to and to keep uh, our fire mm-hmm. lit. I didn't realize that we got into this to give two hundred people Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> well, here's the thing: is that we do appreciate the comments that we get. Thank you for that, and thank you for those. Um, however, you know, I kind of understand why we don't get comments. Because we cover huge movies. Well, that. But, you know, I think when you bring this much truth, it takes a while to process it. You know, And and I think people are a bit intimidated. You know, a lot of people, Mm -hmm. um, they don't want to meet their heroes. You know, they don't want to get too close to their heroes. Right. Because inevitably, well, except in our case, inevitably it it lets them down. Um, So I get it. I get it. It uh, Actually, I had the uh, privilege of hanging out with one of our listeners on Friday night. Yeah, the estimable Bob Rudy, the best bartender in history, uh, recently retired gentleman, and we talked about zooming in a little bit. Made me happy. Well, you both high. Um, congratulations on on your retirement. Is he is he is he enjoying his retirement in the state of the world as it is now? 
He's not not didn't get to go to uh, on a trip. I imagine. No, he's dealing. He's dealing. Yeah, he didn't. He, he didn't retire for that. He retired because he put in his dues. He didn't like have some, uh, you know, secret plan in place. He's he's gonna he's gonna ease his way down the road like in you know the Wiz. Did he uh, get a Did he get a retirement party like a Zoom party? He sure did. No, he got a retirement party in Je- December, and oh, I, okay. I was that. Been a minute. I have a button from it. So oh, you do. So yeah, he's one of the best, one of the greatest guys. Did I ever tell you this story about how we listeners are going to be enraptured by this? Yeah. So Bob was a bartender. Uh, he's been a bartender for many, many, many decades. He served Frank Sinatra. That's how long he's been doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, With divorce papers or like what kind of? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, junior, Frank Sinatra Jr. No, um, <laughs> but uh, so he worked at Prohibition, which was the speakeasy here in Atlanta for a while. And you had to get in. You had to know the code to get in. And we had a really fancy dress code and it was very kind of austere. So I've been wanting to go. They have a, you know, it's a cigar place too. And I've been wanting to go. And I went after a screening. I was like, let me, I have the code. Let me go in there and see. Mm-hmm. And I walk up in jeans and a creature from the Black Lagoon sweatshirt. <laughs> and it's a, you have to have a collared shirt. You can't wear a hat. You can't wear tennis shoes. You know, it's like really, mm-hmm. really fancy. So the guy at the door, opens up and looks me up and down and is like, uh-uh. And at, at, from behind the bar, Bob sees the creature from the Black Lagoon on my sweatshirt and says, get him in here. <laughs> and a love was born. So I've always appreciated that. It, it, it could have gone a lot different. Anyhow, it was it's pretty badass to do that. Yeah. Um, That's and, nice. That's good. So he's a, he's a fellow uh, monster movie fan, I guess. Oh, yeah. Big Bruce saying. Campbell fan. B- big Evil Dead guy. Awesome. Uh, one of the best. So. Uh, hopefully you're out there listening, Bob. And, and if, if you are, I, I, I love everything about you. Um, so guys, it's the movie microscope. It's a show where we zoom in, you know, uh, there's a lot of shows out there, but none of them zoom in, you know, and that's, that's our forte. So if you don't know, like it's a show where we zoom in, <laughs> we watch a film with lenticular eyes and go through like series of microorganisms on our way to the nanites. And we sift through all that as we're watching a film really gleaning. Uh, and we get in the gloaming and then we pull out and we look at whatever's there and we discard the large perpendicular pieces. And, and then there's like a little round object in the bottom. We grab that and, and that's what makes or breaks. <laughs> that's what our show is about. So if we were, if we were talking about stick it, we wouldn't talk about the scene where Missy Peregrim like wears a bra inside her and Jeff Bridges has the common decency to go on in there and get it. We'd be talking about the little moments of which there are many in today's feature, the heavenly kid. Jeff Bridges is a bit of a mush mouth. If I zoom in, <laughs> <laughs> especially in that film where he plays a, um, gymnastics trainer yeah and he um he is managing a wild one a wild gymnast yeah have you seen this movie i have not i have seen it twice i think it's actually kind of a fun movie well i mean who doesn't find her adorable but um it's a little bit i think owes um it's dna to bring it on i think the same producers a great movie. Is it the same producer? Yeah. Probably. Oh, maybe I knew that. But is it the same writer? Probably. Too? I don't know. Um, you know, it was funny. I loved her and I thought her career was going to be bigger. 
But when Tim Burton made that movie about her, it was a huge bomb. <laughs> I was very disappointed. You liked that movie. Yeah, as biopics go, it's it's a good one. <laughs> but you you actually do like that I movie. I really like that movie. I've never seen it. And I don't really like Tim Burton. So it's a it's a it's a pretty good achievement for me to not only like a Tim Burton movie, but also like sort of a YA movie. Hmm. Is it any, is pretty it, dark though? Is it a dark movie? The kid, the, you think my kids wouldn't like it? They're the, the the designs on the baddies in it are pretty creepy. Yeah. Um. And mm. Peregr- Peregrine's no looker. So. All right. So, so tell who, me about your history with the Heavenly Kid. All right. So well, that's what did you say? That's what we're doing. Uh oh. I just said we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna start going through our run of movies that are about heaven. <laughs> well, my history of this movie is I'm not sure. I don't know if I saw it. I think I did, but I certainly didn't go to the theater to see it like you. <laughs> you saw it in the theater. I saw it. It's PG thirteen. Yeah, it's a, it's it's an eighties PG thirteen. It's not two thousands PG thirteen. There's a there's a there's the the an F word in it. There's 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 a lot of questionable material in it. There is for a, for a kids movie. My wife revealed to me today when I was watching it that she she watched that movie all the time when she was. I did too. Yeah, kid. yeah. That's not. It wasn't on my list of rewatchable films. I guess. I'm, but anyway, I'm, so tell me your you, what do you you love this movie? You used to you used to love. Well, it. I haven't seen it since I you know had pubes, but I, I like it. I like it. Since you had pubes, <laughs> I haven't. I didn't start watching it till I had pubes. No, I like. I loved this movie back in the old days. Mm-hmm. I thought it was uh, charming. I I loved. I felt <laughs> like Lewis Smith was uh, just a charismatic, uh, lovable dude. He somehow made um, that whole greaser culture not a fucking nightmare. Made me proud. And then, of course, Jason Gedrick. Uh, you know, he fucking. That's the, one of the first times he whipped it out. You know, so I got to really get a good look at him. What was the when we decided that we're going to do that, we're going to deep dive, take a deep dive into the Heavenly Kid. What was your motivation? Was it Gedrick? Was it Smith? Was it Kazmarek? It it was definitely Gedrick. And the fact that it was one of the another one of those films that I hadn't seen since VHS. Mm hmm. And early, early along in VHS. So it was kind of I knew I was courting disaster and I just hoped it was the right kind, you know? Yeah. You know, because our show, I mean, amongst the other many things we have to do to help get people through their lives uh, <clears throat> when we zoom in is to give them, you know, the materials they need to really have a fucking night. <laughs> and this film is available on what service? For I free? actually watched it on Amazon Prime, Nick. Yeah. You heard of it. Yeah, me too. I was, yep. It's also available on Epics, but I, I don't have access to that anymore for some reason. Yeah, I like I like I like that it's out there. Um, but there I was I had a panic I had a panic this morning that I might have to rent it. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so let's got talk a bit. Up, he was on his yacht and a, and a red light came on in his yacht, and they said the algorithm's fucked. So yeah, we got people in two different counties watching Heavenly Kid right now. <laughs> he had to turn that shit around. What uh, what um? Let's talk a little bit about the this, the premise of this film. Lewis Smith is a greaser. 
He's got yeah. a great name. Do you remember? It's Bobby something. It's it's a very familiar name. It sounds like a name that from a, a different movie. Ventura Fantana. So it sounds like Brian Fantana. That's right. Yeah, Bobby Fantana. So he's yeah. this uh, greaser who uh, is he, he wants to protect his pride and does a a, a race with a dude uh, at the cliff's edge to, you know, you know, as they used to do back in the fifties. You know, the, in the, yeah, they just show off their muscle cars and show how, much, how big their big balls are. Yeah, he's got a romantic rival that has kind of made a pass at his girlfriend, who played by Jane Kaczmarek, who people will probably remember from uh, Malcolm in the Middle or from Southern Comfort with Lewis Smith. Remember Good. that? Yeah, of course. Or uh, from the, being married to Bradley Whitford up until recently. Right. They were, they were a couple. So um, uh, she he tells her, you know, I'm going to race, get in my car and race to this cliff cliff's edge and whoever uh goes furthest whoever goes gets closest to the edge without bailing out yeah. um wins and so she's like don't do it and he goes no i have to because i have to be the heavenly kid <laughs> for the rest of the film <laughs> i think the title refers to a different person no well i thought so but then um like you're talking about jesus obviously <laughs> I mean, he's the only heavenly kid I know of, Nick. Yeah, I wonder when Jesus would pop out the car. How long would Jesus ride that thing until the cliff? He'd pop out oh. late. He'd probably hang right. He'd probably have the nuts to do it all the way down. <laughs> he, he, that's what happens is that Lewis, poor Lewis Smith, poor Bobby, ends up Thelma and Louising off the cliff by mistake. He well, can't get out. He at gets the last something minute. caught on the old knob there, and he can't get out. So they don't telegraph it. Like it looks he his rival bails out and then he goes, great, I won. And he tries to bail out, uh, but he can't because he, it looks like he got a bracelet stuck on or it looks like he's handcuffed to the wheel. But I guess it's his bracelet. They don't they don't show that before. So you don't really know what it is. And then on top of it all, he forgets he has brakes, you know, <laughs> and then he has then he has a lot of brakes. I love and immediately I, he's he zooms off that cliff into the afterlife where he meets Richard Mulligan. Yeah, who who what do you think of Richard Mulligan? I think kind of soap. Was he on soap? Was okay, that's what I know him from. He was an empty I think he was on Empty Nest. I don't remember that show. With with uh Park Overall. I think I'm right. Oh my god. But a comedic so, actor. So uh, okay, that makes I sense. I didn't know it, I didn't know that was him under the mask with Lando. I didn't know what? That, that he was empty nest in a solo. I didn't know. <laughs> no, I don't know why I think it's so funny. It is funny to me. I like Emphis Nest, man. <laughs> I like that character. I'm going to zoom in. Yeah. <laughs> I went like I looked the other day. I was like, maybe I'll get an Emphis Nest at 47 Emphis Nest action figure, but then was disappointed that there's no figure where you pull off her helmet. She got that crazy mop top of red hair. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a damn shame. Well, and I I, uh, actually, I don't have the figure, but I have the home security system that they tied in (laughs) for the movie. (laughs) 
How does it work? It's good. It's so good? like a thief will walk up to the door and they'll see like this war paint on my device, on my doorbell. I'm like that's that reminds me of something from Solo. And then of course they're captured on video and I start masturbating. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I love it. This is a movie aimed for towards like people that want to have a happy happy time in their life that are young. And it starts off with this guy getting slaughtered. And then it immediately takes you out of the movie. They have this nice 50s setting. I think it's like, I think that scene uh, is a tribute to Rebel Without a Cause. I think that's what I read. It's something like that. So it's certainly a James Dean movie. Um, And it does this, you know, this horrible crash where, you know, he dies and the crowd's horrified. And James, his girlfriend, James Kazmarek, you know, crumples into the arms of Mark Metcalf, the romantic rival. Anyway, they start playing this like horrific, like eighties song, you know, the music is insane in this movie. <laughs> that, that's, this movie is worth watching to see how many bad song choices there are in it. None, none and, of them. Well, and the great thing is the worst song choice they use twice in the movie. What'd you say? They use the song animal attraction twice i think you're referring to primitive attraction it's even worse i think they say primitive attraction no animal attraction as an animal yeah so no for example there's a there's a scene in this movie we'll get to where um you know bobby uh comes back to life as a ghost or some kind of apparition somebody and he puts a car together for the main character of this film i guess he is jumping ahead yeah, but th- I'm saying this is a this is an example of the song. He makes this cool car for this kid, and then immediately they start playing the song out on the town in your brand new car. <laughs> it's like it sings the exactly what's happening in the movie, which I think is that's like a that's a choice that you make the night before you have to turn your song in. Yeah, you know. Well, the great thing is this movie predates Beetlejuice by three years, mm-hmm. and there's sort of a similar vibe once he passes away he goes to this like you know train station where it's the afterlife and there's all these people that are in the waiting room for heaven and it's not as quirky as beetlejuice but i got that vibe yeah it's it's like immediately he's uh he like nick said he's on a he's on like some kind of death tram where this shuttle to you know the gates of heaven or wherever and there's all these people that have recently that like him have just died and they show like somebody in scuba gear. There's a woman that's uh, like a heavy smoker that's sitting across from him asking him for a light. And he's confused. Like he doesn't understand where he is. Um, you know, there's a bunch of weirdness happening and Nick's right. It has a little bit of a comedic uh, morbid overtone to it, I guess. Or, But yeah, it reminded me of Beetlejuice a little bit too, actually. Yeah. Zoom in. So yeah, so basically he's he's in limbo with Richard Mulligan, uh, and and he's Mulligan looks like he's doing his best Tim Thomerson, and he's uh he's sort of his uh, handler in the afterlife, mm-hmm. and uh, his, his Clarence, so to speak, I guess is that right? I don't know what that means. It's it's a wonderful life. Oh okay, sort of. I thought they meant from True Romance. I was like, I don't get it, but. Right. I don't know, but yeah, he 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 plays as uh, Rufus, like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. He's kind of like Rufus, I guess, yeah. where he's he's kind of guiding Bobby and saying, "You can't go to Uptown, which is what they call heaven. Yet you have some business to do here in order to earn your stripes." Right. And what does he have to do? 
Well, he doesn't know. All he knows is that he has a target. Uh, mm-hmm. He doesn't really, he's not given a rule book. All they know is um, there's a young boy or young man who lives in, in you know, in this town um, and he has to go help him. He has to do something to help him. Yeah. And so Lewis Smith actually spends about 20 years on this, on this tram. They throw him on this train and it's like, you know, you're not ready years. to go. To, what'd you say? Less than 20. They're like, okay, but it's a long time. Like he, he's like, how long do I have to be, be on there on here? waiting and he, he turns and there's a guy that looks like a viking and he says right. uh could be a while he said there's a fucking viking on here and then the door slams shut and then it cuts to present day which present day is the early 80s yeah and we get to see a marta train which was kind of neat little atlanta mm. callback but we get to meet our star well i would argue that lewis smith is the star well he's closer to the stars but yeah, but Gedrick is our, you know, I think Gedrick was who they were positioning to be the uh, the breakout here. Like, okay, we got the next big thing. Girls are going to fucking absolutely cream through their pants when they see this guy. Boys are going to start creaming because we got the next big, you know, Tom Cruise can go blow himself. We got Jason Gedrick. And, you know, Jason Gedrick, what a great name, by the way. I'm a, I'm a huge fan, but I was, were you disappointed when he changed his name recently? Oh, what was it? Gedrick the Entertainer. Because I thought, anyway, so he he's still around. Like, he's he's always worked. He's kind of one of those guys that never really broke through, but always constantly worked. Yeah, and it's a, the, the thing I'm, I'm blown away by is, like, he's able to have succeeded in Hollywood. Like, well, I wouldn't say succeeded, but survived mm-hmm. with the a elfin, stiff, muscular, Peter Pan-haired face. Like, he's got this weird, like, stiff face and... Weird, wispy Peter Pan hair, Jan Michael Vincent hair, and a He's stiff, a stiff, expressionless muscle face. Well, I think it's almost like in a way after this movie where he plays like a kind of a despicable nerd. Like he's he's a nerd in this that you don't like that much. I don't. They don't. You know, he, he turns into a cool guy that you don't like either. And so, <clears throat> and not only is he a bad nerd, he's a poetry nerd. It's not well, like he, he's a nerd that, that has something that, you know, like, it's not like he's into Star Wars or video games. He's into, he's a poetry nerd. And no, he, 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 when you meet him, yeah, he loves poetry. He's a huge Shakespeare fan. He's actually, at one point, he's cliffside or, you know, reading uh, with his legs hanging over a cliff. He's reading Romeo and Juliet to himself. He almost poetries off that cliff. He does do it. He falls off the cliff. He doesn't almost, he does it. Well, he doesn't die. Well, then Lewis Smith catches him. Bobby catches him. Uh, he, he, and you, know, you, you get a, a really cool shot of his dummy, that they, the Gedrick dummy that they threw. Anyway, getting back to Gedrick, like he is. Which they, think almost, they actually, that was his stand in for like three years in Hollywood. He got a People's Choice Award, actually. I always got this movie, by the way, confused with My Bodyguard. I got My Bodyguard two. is a masterpiece. I could see how you might have gotten this mixed up with. Almost an angel. Is that what it was called? Is that what it is? What's almost an angel? Paul Hogan? Am I wrong? <laughs> well, we have to we have to do it. Did he play an angel? Episode 105. He does he play he doesn't play Crocodile Dundee. Like no, he play, I think I, I haven't seen the movie. I know Steve, I'm sure Steve has, but I think he I think he's a guy who's like a like a thug, like a crook. 
and he and, and something happens and he has, and he dies and he has to come make good. So what what I was trying to my point about Gedrick was like in this movie he plays he's obviously you know they make him look like he uh, he you meet him at this restaurant he's he's messing up he's supposed to cook he's like new to this uh, new um hi, newly hired to this restaurant uh, this a friend of his is. A uh, young woman works there with him who, you know, they're friends, but he's obviously not good at the job and he uh, immediately or, or gets anything. Fired. Yeah, he's he gets picked on, picked on by the bullies and messes up at work and gets fired. And he's feeling bad because he's just not popular. They, there's a girl that he really likes named Sharon. Who, who, she's not into him. So out of his league. And so he's just super bummed out. And so Bobby his you know the the angel i guess we we call him a ghost i guess he's not an angel but you can't call him a ghost that's just too hot what is he what is he nick i think he is sort of a guardian angel but he's not even he, you know heaven's rejected him no I guess heaven, he's 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 on the short list but but he uh but yeah so he's come to to basically make Jason okay let's let's call him a, let, yeah we'll call him a fucking poltergeist the poltergeist that's good <laughs> We'll call him the the fucking poltergeist, but he—that's his job. Heaven was like, no, 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 you have to make this guy cool, um, somehow. And you know, Bobby's the man to do it because he is—he's effortlessly cool. Where Jason Gedrick, his character is not. And what's his character's name? Fucking Lenny. His name's Lenny. Who he's named, already just, yeah. Who puts a Lenny anywhere? Yeah. You know, like how many times have you seen a movie where Lenny is like a person you care about? He doesn't even go by Len. He just goes by Lenny and nobody likes him and he's bummed out. But now he has a, a guy that is going to help him who is a poltergeist. Have you met? And, and the thing is, he's got two little brothers. Huh? He's, he's got two little little brothers mm-hmm. who are way cooler than him. They, <laughs> does blow, they blow him away. And the funny thing is, as we obviously will find out later in the film, they're half brothers. But they're 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 more. Than oh, yeah. yeah. Like they're but they're half his brother and they're twice as good a person as he is. Well, they like him. They're the people in the movie. They like him. They like their older brother. And then the, 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 his friend, Melissa, she likes him too. She has a big crush on Jason Gedrick. It's inexplicable actually. Yeah. What they do at the beginning of this movie is they, they comb Jason Gedrick's hair with like a rock or something and make it look all smashed down and dumb. Cause they, cause what they're going to do is later, it's gonna. He's gonna have cool hair, but they don't. He doesn't get cool hair ever. But the problem you know? is, it's not that they did anything to the hair. That was what everybody looked like then. That was the eighties. That was the, like that that period. Everybody had that fucking matted Peter Pan, fucking bitch slap hair. How was your hair back then? Awful. Was it bad? Oh, I had the worst. The worst hair. Yeah. I mean, I had good hair. It was misused because like, I've, I've always been lucky that I'm uh, my hair grows all, very fast and all that. Mm-hmm. but man it got 80s got a hold of me and never let go really i, I was really tragic how was your style back then was it bad think macho without the budget <laughs> um so anyway this that's the setup and there's a about the about half hour in they do something in that is like a hallmark of all 80s films there there's a fashion Changing uh, sequence on God yeah. damn it. So the poltergeist takes Lenny to the mall and he's like, we got to get you out of your, your horrible clothes and get you into something cool. And now 
are you know bobby's dressed like a greaser he's got like the le- you know the, the he looks like fonzie right he's got the black leather coat he's or got danny the zuko coat. if you want to you know go that way yeah he's got he looks cool like he he never changes his look he looks like a 50s greaser his or, hair or boone or boone from nightbreed <laughs> from nightbreed but so you know when he takes him to the to the um uh, to the mall to to try on some clothes you know he they keep showing him uh, Gedrick in these awful outfits like the 80s but you know eventually Bobby's gonna thumbs up something that is just as awful as the rest and, and that's what happens that's exactly what happens <laughs> by the way he, before that happens though am I jumping too far no 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 that's a, that's an important scene I took notes on that too I mean that's mm-hmm. and it also leads to of the one of the most bizarre lines in the movie but um can we can we talk a little bit about the throw up first he pukes Oh, after he falls off the cliff and gets caught. Yeah. Mm. So you have a movie where our, our two leading men has a puke moment, which is pretty unique. But mm. then they, and I'm glad they bring it up in the cafeteria, even though it makes no fucking sense, but they have wedding cake. I wrote it down. Wedding now. cake for lunch. Somebody actually comments on that. And I got to wonder <laughs> what were they fucking thinking? Like, wh- well, this is all I, <laughs> this is all I wanted to talk to you about because I didn't hear this line, but when I realized it was, it sticks out. I rewound in there, huh? I rewound. Well, so what does the line say? Like, no, there's like this ADR of somebody going wedding cake for lunch. That's what they. That's all like, they what say. Gives, right? yeah, something like that. So what the reason they have it is because there's a fight scene breaks out, or at least uh, a scene that you know Gedrick's going to get clocked by a bully and you know bobby steps in you know as a poltergeist and and disrupts it and sends the bully hurtling into food first and then smashing into this wedding cake and that's why they have it in there they needed a big cake i guess for the visuals yeah but you're right it is so it's a high school <laughs> no, get if it was a, a savage steve holland movie i get it that seems yeah. to fit into it into a movie with that tone this movie doesn't have a tone and it certainly doesn't have that tone. So it's obvious that somebody just needed a fucking wedding cake there because it's big. Maybe, you know what I like to think? Maybe the PE teacher and the math teacher got married. Or better yet, maybe the PE teacher banged one of the 10th graders and she got pregged and they had to get married there in campus. And then the their cake was ruined, but it's okay because she miscarried. What? <laughs> right. What? <laughs> well, the, now that's that's a, now that's something I can bring up. I put more thought into that actually than the fucking movie. That's a nice. Let me sidestep it over to to this. This movie is not unlike some of the other films that we've done of recent recent days, or recent weeks. It's pervy, Nick. This movie is pervy. It is. It's a. It's obviously a little sexist, not just a little bit, but it is very like questionable because there's a ghost, Lewis Smith in high school, checking out high schoolers' boobs. That's one of the running gags in this. Is he's kind of been long in the afterlife, away from, I guess, young women, and so when he gets back on Earth. He's he's checking out the goods, yeah. you know, and it is awesome. weird. Oh, okay, all right. 
Okay, missed that one. I didn't, get, I didn't see the signal you were leaving. <laughs> and, you know, um, Louis Smith is like a Strasburg, like, academy-trained actor, you know? Yep. <laughs> he teaches acting now. Like, you brought that up. Like, yeah. he's an acting teacher. And his specialty is looking at tits. Like, he... <laughs> he, he yeah. He teaches that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like primarily that's where he got his uh he got his skill on this movie. Cause there's plenty of shots where he is oogling, yeah, ogling young women. It is awkward and weird. There's a the thing is, okay, so so Lewis Smith is charismatic enough that it's not it, he pulls a lot of it off. It's it's creepy, but he's so likable that it he is likable. Get her, he is however. Likeable who is the right age to be looking at these boobs sucks. And he's creepy elf. <laughs> he, he uh, is, is weird. Like the, another thing is what they do at the beginning of this movie. That's even it's at the beginning of the movie. There's this drag race. We talked about <clears throat> with all the actors that kind of later show up in the film. Um, two as adult, two actors. Two. Well, three, I guess if you can count Bobby. But in the original scene, they're supposed to be playing teenagers. They look like they're in their 40s, you know, yeah. especially Mark Metcalf, who probably was in his 40s. Right. I mean, he, he had to be kind of famous for the from the Twisted Sister video on Animal House. Is right? he still with us? Yes, I think so. That's huge news. Great actor. I think I like him. He, he's like a memorable actor and stuff. But he <clears throat> he, yeah, so he looked like somebody put Costner and uh, Scott Glenn in the flies telepod together. He spends a large part of this movie with his pants unbuckled, and that is in a non-creepy way. The That's like he's relaxing at home and falling asleep in front of the TV with his pants unbuckled. Yeah. At one point, he has to get up uh, and, and and go outside to chase his son, uh, Jason Gedrick, and he you, they, they show a shot of him buckling up his pants. <laughs> he is that good. He's like, I guess I would be, in this scene, I would be buckling up my... Yeah. my uh, pants here. They cut out the scene where he's heading to Gedrick's bedroom, unbuckling his pants. So written and directed, I think co-written, but directed all, and uh, by this guy named Carrie Meadowway. This is like, he had two movies, this and a movie called Paradise Motel. Have you seen that? I haven't. Um, I mean, I guess this is like, I imagine they position this as like a family, like a fun family, you know, comedy. I like, I like comedies like this. Where a guy watches his son fuck. That's what I'm saying. Is that there's just I don't know, man. Another thing is like the 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 Sharon the the one that that Gedrick is focusing on intensely. Like he wants to, he wants her to be his girlfriend. She does not get a line in this movie. She's from like the Charlie Chaplin school of acting until about I don't know. Towards the end, she they give her like about three lines yeah. when she starts to be interested in the now cool Jason Gedrick. Anyway, well, let me tell you, this is speaking of another amalgam person. Mm -hmm. She looks like Martha Plimpton or Marsha Plimpton. Martha or Marsha? Marsha. Martha. Martha Plimpton. Zoom in. And Juliette Lewis, like join forces. Mm -hmm. And they're both Marceau Marceau. I think that's yeah. is that not Sophie Marceau because I'd still be watching this. But <laughs> so Star of Lost and Found. Th this is the object of his affection, and I, nothing against Plimpton or Juliet Lewis, but the other girl d destroys her. 
on the uh, attractiveness scale. So Anne, you're talking about the actress Anne Sorry who plays Sherrod. I looked her up, and then there's an actress named Nancy Valen who you said still works still today. Working, yeah, yeah. And she's well, okay. My research is primitive. She's got right. a, a a current photo on IMDb, which to me counts as still working. She may okay, have uploaded me, it this morning. Let me put a bookmark in this discussion. I, this is what I was saving for you. Go to Jason Gedrick's Wikipedia page and look at the photo. Oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. And then I'm going to do the same. Guys, do this along with us. Look at that sneer. So that kind of gives you an idea of what he's trying to do in the movie when he gets cool. You know, that, that kind of look. He's, but he's also kind of like, it's like he's projecting a confidence he doesn't really have. Mm-hmm. Now go to his IMDb picture. Okay, but first I'm going to tell you this. This picture is 10 years old. He looking rough now. I don't know if you've seen him lately. He looking rough. Does he look rough? Yeah. You know what? You know, you know, you know, yeah, this is so sad. You want to talk about like a recipe for fucking tears? Uh-huh. I'm typing this and it says Jason Gedrick net worth. That's the first thing that comes up. That's a recipe for a bad night. Yeah. I mean, if you want to feel good about yourself, uh, the picture on, oh God, that's fucked. The only net worth that matters to me is Sandra Bullock's. I, yeah. So the picture, yeah, we, I know we've said that joke. Right? It's not even a joke, but I know we've said that. Before. So the picture on IMDb, I've seen many times over the past few days. I don't think that looks like him. I really don't think that looks like him, though. No. He, well, he, I, Nick, Nick, I took a journey to his Twitter page where he posts some selfies. And he looks fine. He looks he looks youngish. I'm going. But he's in his fifties. Yeah, he's fifty five. He's I'm, now. Mind if I zoom in? The heavenly man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Typing Jason Gedrick on Twitter, and it says, "Are you sure?" <laughs> does he? I think he has a blue check mark. I think he does. He does. Yeah. Uh, he's got four thousand followers, so he's he, yeah. If you if you want if you guys want to find his Twitter account, it's at Gedrick the Entertainer, and actually, it's it's he doesn't he didn't use his name. So if you guys really want to see him, just go to at Please Remember Me. <laughs> you cannot rip Gedrick that hard. He's he's actually you know I don't think he's great in this movie, but I think he's been good before. I remember he was on Dexter for, for a spin. He was on he kind luck. of plays daddy sometimes. And he was on luck as you reminded me. Yeah. Gedrick, man. Well, the thing is, you know, I was suckered. At, he's like a, he's an iron Eagle for God's sake. That's kind of his coming out party, right? He's in the iron Eagle series. Yeah, but you know what it is? Is I, this is this is a sad truth that it's taken me like three decades to figure out. I used to like him; like I'd follow him from here to Iron Eagle to wherever else he was going, mm-hmm. rooftops, you know, all these things. And I was convinced he was a real person, like a good, per- like a living sweetheart. And he's like a he's like a skin golem that they just put into movies. <laughs> you know, he's not real. He's like a like a, a magician transports like a, a life energy into a fucking meat golem. And that's what Jason Gedrick is. He's like a, a homunculus. Yeah. Is sort of, right? No, but see hum, homunculus have actually have some personality. Um, <laughs> I mean, he really, he looks like he looks, 
Oh man. I I, I look at good. him and I think of I think of the somebody fucked with the y axis. There's some I there's something I mean, I, mean, I I you know I'm going to stick up for him a little bit. I think he's kind of in this movie his character is never likable. Like there's you kind of feel bad from the beginning, but he he's like he's he's not liking the right uh woman, which that always happens in these movies. But then he turns into a complete dick when he gets cool. Um and he just never recovers. And plus Lewis Smith is so likable the whole time, even when he's perv creeping it. Um that he kind of like he takes some of the the you know, I don't know, hogs some of the attention away from old Jason Jason G. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I mean, I, I'm strictly talking about Kid Gedrick. Kid Gedrick is a motherfucker. As an adult, he's quite a talented man. Exactly. I think he kind of came into his own. Not but, that I remember. But, too but much. he's a motherfucker. <laughs> well, this movie features like a first, I think, and you know it has to be a first. And I don't know if it's. We'll we'll have to maybe come back to this on a future show. But is this the only time that? Jason Gedrick's been on a 10 speed in a film. Do you know? Uh, I can't, I can't testify to that, but I, I, I remember that it's one of the first time there's, there's been an empty 10 speed near him moving. And is this the only th- time that a ghost has tried to, to grab some ass, ass in a high school cafeteria? Cause that, that also is worrisome. That can't be true. That has to, is this okay. Can we ask you another first? Is this the first? Is this the first movie ever to have a courtship sequence in a Sabaro? <laughs> Does that happen? Yeah, that's their date. They go to fucking Sabaro. Um, is it a Sabaro restaurant? Oh yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a food court. But Sabaro okay. is the is the location du jour. Um, so Wait, is that when? Okay, so is that when Gedrick, who's trying to do be cool and like slick, like his um, his ghost pal? Um, tries to uh, get some cigarettes out of the pack and accidentally does it a little too forcefully, and they different scene. They arrow into somebody else's pizza slice. Yeah, that that happens in this movie twice. They they try that joke twice. They also try they try to make fun of Japanese people twice or Japanese yeah, products. But uh, there's a line about it. But when else did they do it? No, it's like the, the, they they do they do a callback with that old guy later on in the movie. Must be Japanese. Oh, yeah. um, because he keeps seeing um, uh, Gedrick, the same old guy keeps seeing Gedrick like, uh, you know, Lewis Smith's, you know, Bobby's on a bike. And then the bike, when you, you know, to everybody else, it looks like a, the invisible man's on that bike. Right. Right. Yeah. There's nobody pedaling that thing. You know, obviously Gedrick can see that somebody is, but. So that's a, that's a joke that they don't really do too much in this movie. Do you, because uh, the budget, but there is a Yoda sequence where he's like, uh, I just flew in my coffee. Um, there's a scene where um, he put he, he Yoda's a car together, which is ridiculous. But there's a, it is it is so ridiculous. That's what I was talking about earlier. He's got magic it, powers that are insane. That's what you have to do. So he he does. Yeah, he, Lewis Smith's doing like this thing with his hands where he points his hands at like a part of a car and then it flies into the car. You know, it's not great. And it goes on far too long. And that's what I'm saying. Strasburg Academy. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he had to wiggle his fingers at a tire. <laughs> um, so 
Do you remember the scene where he first does the makeover on that motherfucker, Jason Gedrick? <laughs> um, and he puts the moose in his hair and he gets his hair all shitty. Of course I remember. Do you remember Jason's line? No. I'll be the only person at school with a bulletproof head. Oh, God. Really? Yeah. Yeah, you say that. Now I'm thinking about it. I did remember that. I didn't didn't note it. <sighs> I I love it's it's actually so the 80s was the golden era of gay bar jokes. Yes, there is a gay bar joke in this. And it was actually surprisingly um subtle and not not uh not not uh negative in a way. Well, I think I there were some gay characters in it, right? That when he goes into the bar, but he doesn't come out. So what happens? Well, Bobby's like, I want to go never been to a bar, bar like that because that's exactly huh? how it goes down. What'd you say? That's you obviously haven't been lately because that's exactly what th- what happens in there. So then he then he comes back out because he because Gedrick's like, oh, you go in, I'm not going to go in, and then he comes back out and he goes, oh, that things have changed or something, right? Yeah. Everything. But he, you know, this is Bobby keeps saying that about the about everything, and he'll be like things are different you know everything's changed he doesn't like the changes but then when he looks at the young women then he's like something's changed for the better or something like that you know it's just it's like having um sharky in there burt reynolds like (laughs) as the angel you know yeah just permanent just too much well and you gotta wonder if he's got the ability to do like all that little magic finger stuff you know he's tearing it under like he's just sitting there quietly tearing it nobody knows and then you see him flick his fingers and then like something sticky goes past like a hundred miles an hour and it's just like he's none the wiser where did that gel come from that's true yeah yeah so i just this he's a horny ghost nick he's a horny specter yeah he is yeah, and, and actually the funny thing is Richard Richard Mulligan, who is this like his handler, who at one point uh lives inside of a boombox. Yes. Um you know, he he kind of ixnays a few things that he's doing that are that are untoward, but not all of it. And actually he kind of tests the waters with that fake ass grab to see if Mulligan's gonna pop up and and do anything, and he doesn't. Mm-hmm. So I think that opens up our ghost towards, you know, thinking about what he can kind of sneak in. And honestly, uh, spoiler, uh, you know, have you, you heard Mike at the beginning of this thing, we're going to fucking rip into this fucking knee deep. You know, we're not holding back any of that mystery. Um, turns out Gedrick is his damn son, son. And Kazmarek is his mom. And, and yeah, uh, so as Lewis Smith, at one point, they're in Gedrick's room. And, you know, Lewis Smith, Bobby's like, I'm going to commit. To, I'm going to make this kid cool. I'm going to. I'm not, you know, I'm good with this. This is my mission. I'm going to get to heaven. And they're in his Gedrick's room and they're, um, they're smoking marijuana together. And God, they have a shot of God going, did I just send some jackass to earth to get high? Like, is it with a kid? And so they're, remember they're floating, they're fucking they're floating, floating and, and it's, that's the, the effects are insane. It's so bad. Uh, matting, but, but then he hears hit- the, the voice of Gedrick's mother, and it is Jane Kazmarek, and he pieces it together but, that this is but gold. Flag. Do you remember? Because uh, they're giggling because they're high, and because you know yeah, that's this, that's what's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. He goes just laughing at a book, and that fucking passes muster with his parents. Oh yeah, that's what the excuse is. I'm laughing at a book, which is, I mean, he they probably do associate him with books. 
Yeah, not the shit he's reading. Nobody's laughing at that fucking shit. Antigone, he's like reading Antigone, and he's like giggling like an ass boy. Nick, shake, zoom in. Shakespeare's a comedic writer sometimes, not just a, not just a writer of trash. I'm, aw- I'm aware, but not laugh out loud funny. It's more like God, this guy's clever. I'm a, I admire his thrift as a writer, but I'm not like giggling like an asshole. You never knee slapped it to Midsummer's Night's Dream, no. Um. But then Lewis Smith, yeah, he hears Jane Kaczmarek and he goes through walls. He goes through the door. They spent, they spent right through thousands it. and thousands of dollars mm-hmm. following Lewis Smith through walls and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he and he sees her and he's like, holy smokes, this is my old, my love, my tr- one true love is here. She has give, given birth to this this nerdy demon of a child. <laughs> Well, you know, and there's this she's thing. Married, she married the, my high school rival. Well, here's the funny thing about the, their their undying love. Um, so at the be, you know at the beginning, obviously, he gets destroyed, uh, and there's this there's this undercurrent of him wanting to tell tell her something that's important right. to him, it's like in a ghost story that we did several months back. You know, he's got the little note in the wall, um, right. and you're like, oh man, I bet you it's something really cool. And then when you find out it's his kid, Mister Motherfucker. Um, I was like, so, you know, I bet you they had a really special relationship and it turns out he's never even told her he loves her. And that's the thing he's been wanting to say. He's like, I filled you with a child, a a dog shit asshole. And we screwed all over the place, but we are, the thing is he was, he, he had his own code, man. He was super cool. Everybody looked up to him. He walked into, he, he tells Gadrick at one point. You want to walk in the room and have all eyes on you. That's the goal. You know, you want to everybody you want everybody's attention to fall on you. And that's, you know, and that's what he was. He didn't have time for I love you's. You know, he was too busy maintaining his rep. Well, the thing is I, I would I love I, I, saying I love you to someone's a crack in his armor, man. I'll tell you a bigger crack in his armor is those loose jeans he's wearing. He, that is his armor. He is wearing loose ass jeans that 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 are too loose for words uh, that are not authentic to the time. So there's that. And then what's the girl? What's the Vartan's Zaylin, Halen, Valen? What's her name? The girl's name? Oh, uh, that plays Melissa. Yeah, I wrote her name down. They put her in some jeans that make her look like a scarecrow, like after the fucking harvest. Talking about Nancy Valen, yeah. My they put her in some ugly ass, weird, weird body jeans. Like her, like looks like she's being, you know, like put into a zip file. And, and you know, she you mostly see everything she's thinking. She, she's mostly in like a restaurant, like uh, waitress apron. Like that's kind of what she, her 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 getup in this is because she's always slinging drinks and food in that Mel's restaurant, wherever that guy's restaurant. And by the way, that guy that owns a restaurant. I'm gonna zoom in a little bit, a little bit. I don't know if is this a right term. It's a little cockeyed. Do you know what I'm saying? He looks. He looks. Are you talking about the gay bar scene or no? The, the guy that owned the fires Gedrick at the beginning. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's not looking at him very much. Oh wow! He must have a, a thing with his eyes, which sometimes happens. Yeah, I mean everybody's got problems, but uh, that that character was very mean to Jason Gedrick. So I liked that character. Honestly, you know, I, like, I, I like that character because he's a good businessman and he had a piece of shit working for him. Exactly. He wanted, he fired he wanted efficiency and he gave the guy plenty of chances. And it turns out he's a fucking nightmare. Not only is he bad at cooking and he's 
terrible at, uh, you know, you know, taking orders and all that stuff from the customers hate him. They don't even, the customers don't even like him. He's driving business away. Well, it's a, it's a, it, there's also foreshadowing as he covers Sharon's face with a sticky substance in that bar scene. Jesus. He doesn't, he spill ketchup all over her fucking eyes and face. I think so. Yeah. He, he gets tripped by a bully and blamed for it, but he gets tripped and then the food goes all over the object of his affection. Yeah. Um, this guy Gallo, who plays the you know the villain of the piece, he's sort of a good guy too. I like him more than I like Lenny. So I start. That's the thing that happened in this movie is, and it wasn't that. That's why this maybe director didn't work again after this movie. I started to root for the bullies, and wanted them to succeed. You know, like I did not like Jason Gedrick as a cool guy. He was being a dick, and the bullies were not nice but they were less of dicks you know less dicks than he was does that make sense yeah no like like they they stuck to their 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 shtick and and i don't like it so there's a scene where they have this this big confrontation in the parking lot a fight after school fight yeah Yeah. and and gedrick lucks into not getting beat up by the guy and then lewis smith intervenes and helps but later on Mm -hmm. he's bragging about it he's like i kick gallows ass all across the schoolyard and he and he lucked into that. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Is there's reminded me a little bit of Keith Gordon and Christine in this, you know? Yeah, got some guess get some demonic confidence all this. Yeah, sudden. not only and, that, you know, Lewis Smith even comments on it. He's like, you know, I've cr- basically created a monster. I don't know what happened, you know. Well, and and Gallo actually has more character development than fuckface Lenny because there's a scene later on where he challenges him to a death race himself. Of course, yeah. Of course, because of course, after the people were killed back in the fifties, they didn't close that place down, and the, and they still, the car, yeah, the car, the rotted cars are still there. So he challenges uh, to a death. Surprise! Lewis and Skelton, uh, Bobby Skelton's not sitting in the driver's That'd seat. That'd be great. Still. That'd be great. Um, yeah. I wish they'd zoom in on his skeletal arm to show us what hooked onto the steering column that trapped him in there. Was yeah, there- I thought what he wanted to tell Jane Kazmarek was, by the way, I didn't kill myself. I wanted to be with you. I got stuck on something. I thought that was going to tell her, like, believe me, this yeah. wasn't my plan. I wasn't tr- too prideful to jump out of the car. I got caught on something. But do you think it's like maybe his sleeve had a, maybe a zipper on his sleeve? Is that what happened? I, we just watched the movie. I, think I can't tell. He's like, he's like, oh man, honey, I, uh, I, I wanted to be with you. I wanted to jump, jump out and be with you for the rest of my life. But, uh, my shit got caught on some shit and I went over and died. She's like, Oh, do you love me? Eh. <laughs> but he challenges him to a, to a death race. And when, and when yeah, he death, yeah. Gallo is sad. Well, he doesn't Gallo. Does the bad guy. Yes. The bully does not want Jason Gedrick to say yes. And then he, he doesn't want him to go through with it. And he starts to look scared. Yes. That's going to happen. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's a great. realistic part of the movie. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a li- lot. It's a likable, uh, uh, you know, basically a likable side of that bully. What Gedrick doesn't really have, like at the end of the movie, he does go back to Melissa. He does finally realize what he has in Melissa, but it's too late. You know, he, he ruined himself. Yeah. Lewis, should be there. Bobby should be like, you know what? I failed here. Send me to hell. Send me downtown. I failed here. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is you, you look at this relationship between Kazmarek and, and uh, Metcalf mm-hmm. there. That's a stagnant house. 
They got an awful oldest child who's just a shit person. They failed. Mm. They've done a shit job in life. They just suck. They're shit. They, they, well, in our okay, so let's just start. We missed this scene. Is that so? Gedrick starts to go out with Sharon with this with this young woman who's been and they immediately everybody as it turns out every well they immediately they have sex. They go to have sex. Yeah, he gets laid as Bobby puts it, <laughs> and then. They start to slam. They or uh, Bobby starts to criticize Sharon, and you know he is from the fifties. You know I get it, but he starts to basically imply that she's got a cold heart, um, and that you know Gedrick shouldn't be with her. Well, it help. It doesn't help that she says you know she could tell it was his first time. She's she's kind of cr- giving him the rundown on their on their act after the fact, and it's obvious she's it's not bad for her first time. Yeah. What'd you say? She's just she has tons of experience, and that's what yeah. turns Lewis Smith off. Is that oh shit, this girl? He's not used to the girl being like uh, like a you know just a free spirit and spreading to the wind. You know, like he wants. You know, I'm talking about they try to they try to shame this Sharon. Uh-uh, not on my watch. That's right. She's the hero of this film. She Gedrick's lucky to spend time with her. Yeah, for God's sakes, or any of these people. Get him off my screen, Nick. Why didn't he? At, at one point, that uh, Bobby leaves, he's like so frustrated he leaves, and he sees on uh, Richard Mulligan's been keeping in a notebook, and he sees that there's a list of people that are going to be dead soon that Mulligan's got to contact, and then you know he sees that this Gedrick, you know Jason Gedrick's on the list, and he goes, "Oh my God, what?" And Mulligan goes, "Don't worry, he's going. He'll he'll be going to heaven." How? <laughs> Why? I was reading on the trivia for this movie that they test screened it and there, and the scene after their sex scene, um, uh, there's a quick shot of her removing a diaphragm and everybody in the audience said, thank God. <laughs> it was just, it was the most, most, most rapturous response in the entire film. So they had to cut it out because they they thought it might derail the movie, but you could tell they were thrilled that there was no chance that, that there was going to be another Gedrick in the world. <laughs> they, uh, so another thing is that Bobby's the the focus of of his you know is split as soon as Casmeric enters the picture as soon as his old girlfriend's in there his he is intensely focused on her he wants to contact her and talk to her as Nick had said that they he does actually talk to her but he does he does appear to her uh, one night and she faints and then they have a um, Superman moment a super, he, they, he walks her into the night. And then he takes her back to the, their old high school and like their old town. But she's like walking with like a poltergeist, like it ain't nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like there is, she is fine with it. Yeah. She's like, I thought this was going to happen. <laughs> and the funny thing is it is so setting them up to go to, to fuck. And luckily they don't, but I- well, he kisses her. He can hold her. Obviously if he can hold her and kiss her, he obviously can do other things too. Right. And do you think he could produce like a half, Human half poltergeist Jason Gedrick? Like I don't worry, Richard Mulligan. I re I did a redo. Let's get rid of this. Yeah, the, see that would be a much better story. Like he he's he's he is actually Richard Mulligan reveals late in the film he's there to unfuck Jason Gedrick and fuck a new ghost child into her. <laughs> and then the is it like they steal from back to the future and the, the picture of Jason Gedrick starts to fade? Yeah. That- and then and then uh, a miracle for Kodak. Because uh, they're like it's it's his pictures auto fade. 
He's like this. Uh, yeah. They did have that for a while. The on the packaging, the Gedrick proof. Right, right. Well, but they also oh. there was an asterisk, and then uh, it said pre thirty year old Gedrick because he's a delightful person after thirty. But Kid Gedrick's a gelfling motherfucker, just a fucking awful elfin piece of stiff shit. <laughs> Kid Gedrick. I had that for the SNES. Yeah, because, you know, as much as it we're as I'm criticizing him and ripping him, I am associating every every everything with his character Lenny in this movie. Like I, none of the post Gedrick stuff after this that I don't know or remember. We will. We'll get there. You think so? Yeah, well, I, I mean, if any anybody out there knows a place that's got a low cost uh, Blu-ray or DVD or, or bootleg of uh, rooftops, hit me up. Cause that, that, that might be, that might be having to happen. But you know, the thing is Gedrick is that guy in this movie who just says, yeah, he's the most impressionable, hollow piece of shit guy that just does whatever he's told, just bends with the wind, has no identity of his own. I'm sure the poetry shit, some asshole, whisper that in his ear like shortly before the movie takes place he was just fucking skin goleming through school and somebody's like hey maybe you should read this shakespeare and he's like well i'm a fucking puppet here put your hand in me let's read some shakespeare well that's not true they in the movie that he's known as this teacher said he's the best literary like i don't know what he calls him like detective somebody that just analyzed her that just he's a this teacher is impressed so the teacher probably stuck the finger in him and and, and that he's the one to plant the seeds this movie actually is labeled uh sci science fiction right did you notice that yeah. it's fantasy but also has a science fiction tab which tag which they later added okay because there's a scene in this movie where melissa's crying over jason gedrick so they <laughs> They had to put sci-fi in the description. Right. Well, the scene where he goes over the cliff at the end, and you think, well, you know he didn't die, but you think he, they think he may have died. Casmeric mm-hmm. should have been nominated because she looks racked with sadness and fear. The crowd is, like, sad, but I didn't understand why. They just got rid of Gedrick free of charge. No one had to murder him. Yeah, no, you know? Yeah. And, and I actually on four in 4k, you can look into Mark Metcalf's eyes during that scene and see joy washing over his entire soul. It's amazing. Cause I, I'd like to think she never told him that, 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 that Gedrick came out of Lewis. So he was like, <laughs> she, she references it. Okay, he knows shit. Cause I was thinking his failings as a man would have been erased. The great. Yeah, this undo. Is- this is the movie that some some people might not know this movie, but they're going to know this line. This is like a famous line from this film. Um, there's a scene where Gedrick is, you know, being he's leaving the house. He's he's new, cool Gedrick. He his and his mom is mad at him and she confronts him in the front yard. And, and she says, you're going right back up in the house. <laughs> you're going right back up in the house. <laughs> what is <laughs> it's stiff. Why not just right back in the house? Where's up? How's up have anything to do with it? I don't know. Is it because you think that they were on the the house is on the same cliff that he earlier fell off of? (laughs) By the way, he visits after school. Remember, he almost falls to his death at the beginning of the film. And then after this is before school, after school, he comes back to that spot to then also again sit on it. 
Yeah, well, would you? Well, because Lewis Smith disappears, right? And that's when they have their second hangout, right? But what? It just it seems like if you fall from that cliff, I just wouldn't go back. But maybe he is sort of suicidal. Is that what they're trying to imply? I mean, it makes me like him more because we both want the same thing. You want to talk about a missed opportunity. Yeah. What a magician with that name she could have been. Kazmarek? What a great magician name. I know, that's good. Another good magician name would be Go Fuck Yourself, Jason Gedrick. Any relation to John Merrick? <laughs> Only in appearance. Um, they, uh, it, do you think, okay, let me just zoom in real quick do you think this movie should have been called the uptown the uptown kid because they keep referring to heaven as uptown right and then midtown is limbo and then downtown is hell i guess yeah what do you think of that whole uh naming convention in this do you were you tickled no but remember I, there was some sort of an alternate title there was a different name for it remember heavenly bodies oh god that's awful which I think is a title for another film. Like, it's got to be. So at one point, <clears throat> Richard Mulligan, like, you know, Bobby had has begged Richard Mulligan to, for another case, like for someone else to shepherd, some other thing to do to get him uptown, to get him to heaven. And Richard Mulligan comes through. The motorcycle riding Richard Mulligan comes through and takes him off the Gedrick case, right? But Bobby... Now that he knows that Jane Kaczmarek's in the picture, he wants back in. And he says, and and, th and then he realizes that Gedrick's going to die. So he really wants back in. And he says to Mulligan, he says, tell him I'll do anything, anything. And then Mulligan goes, would you stop perving on women from beyond the grave? And he goes, not that. Not that. No, no. Can't. So I'm looking. Uh, but, I'm, but he says he sold it. He said, I'll sell my soul. That's a kind of a thing that he goes, he's willing to give up his soul to, to go back and help uh, Jason Gedrick. And, and that, which I can relate to. I can relate to too, but um, Mulligan knows he's fucking, there's a little something rotten in Denmark there. Cause if he had a soul, he would have, when he squirted Jason Gedrick into Kazmarek, some of that would have rubbed off. So I'm looking at the soundtrack for this movie, this the track listing. Yeah. You want to talk, I, if you were to read, if you were to read this list to somebody without the names of the of the musicians, just to name the songs, I guarantee you they could tell you precisely within a three year gap when this film came out. <laughs> let's let's put it to the test. So the first track is called Heartless. That could be any time, really. Mm -hmm. Second one spoils it. The Heavenly Kid, and then in parentheses, out on the edge. Once again, the, adhering yeah. to the exact word for word. Now we're getting to the fucking meat of eighties, though. Heart of Love. Nice. Obsession, cruising tonight, Oof, and then that's the new car song. And then animal, yes, animal attraction, two minute love, so oh. mean to me. But I think I think we'll all agree this is the piece de resistance. Hamburgers. <laughs> that's the name of a song on there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Why hamburgers? And then when that's when the children make the mighty fall, which I can only assume is during that drag race at the end, and then we got so far away, not the Dire Straits song, Dream Machine, 
I need the touch. Tell me that's not the 80s. Are you telling me that Dire Straits doesn't have a song on the soundtrack? <laughs> that's a shocker. Um, okay, so uh, the guy that did Hamburgers um, is George Duke, who is now a, no longer a living person. Mm-hmm. Um, but over the course of his career, he relationship to Bill Duke. Uh, I doubt it. But this guy has worked with Zappa, you know, Stanley Clark, some pretty big Earth, Wind, and Fire, Jeffrey Osborne. He's worked with some big dudes, and he did hamburgers. They uh, he had titled his autobiography from uh, he did his career, and then it kind of ended with this movie from Zappa to Crappa. So if you ever read it, it's actually a pretty good account. Can you imagine the 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 inner turmoil that must go up as he crept to his mailbox to get a residual check for hamburgers. He's like, first of all, I like, I like the end game of what this brings me, but he's like, there's like, this has gone through three hands before getting to me. And it's all for hamburgers. They, uh, at the beginning of the movie, he does, Gedrick does, um, you know, like Jerry Lewis, a big jar of mustard off of the uh, countertop in the, in the kitchen of the restaurant that he gets fired from. He smashes that, and then the you know the the owner of the restaurant is like, "I'll clean it up, of course, you know." But that's a gigantic jar of mustard, yeah. Which I guess you have to have at your disposal in the kitchen area of a kitchen. Oh, right. I think you're talking about Gedrick because I mean, a gigantic jar of mustard is not a bad way to sum him up. Can you find the lyrics to Hamburger? <laughs> that would be great if we could. Uh, let's. Uh, you know what? If the internet was created for any one thing, I can't imagine there's something better than this. Let's see, George. I imagine you're gonna get. They're gonna say, "Are you? Do you? Are you thinking of cheeseburger in paradise?" And, and you know what? And it's that. You should say no. I want the bigger hit, Jeeves. Ask Jeeves. The thing is, if it was hamburger, I'm not in. But it's hamburgers plural, and it blows me away. <laughs> well, if it could, if it was hamburger, I'm sorry, I, I I'm not with you. But it's ha- it's plural, and I'm 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 in two thousand percent ride or die. I'm with you to the death. <laughs> Is this the song? Yep. Maybe an instrumental. What a hodgepodge. Oh, no, it said hamburgers. Sounds like uh, Galactus urinating. It is. They, they say hamburgers. So that, that's the lyric in it. That's the. Yeah. Wow. That makes me feel better. You want to think it. about studio time being reserved. So at the end of the movie, Richard Mulligan is side sitting on a motorcycle. Did you notice this? Well, did you see the Instagram picture I put up today? Is that is it the side sitting? Oh, yeah, I didn't see. I didn't notice that until the film. He's I, sitting on a motorcycle that's parked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he is what can only be described as side sitting on it. Um, it is beautiful. Well, you know, you know, the thing I loved about it is, and that's why I chose that picture for Instagram, because if you don't know exactly what that's from, it looks like it's from some post-apocalyptic badass mutant movie or something. 
Um, but anyway, Mulligan side sitting on the motorcycle. This is our formative years as as young people going to the theater and stuff like that. Can you think of a generation that's had the best assortment of these kind of movies for them growing up? Because a lot of people romanticize the 80s, John Hughes and all that stuff. And in in hindsight, John Hughes creeped the fuck out. Like John Hughes made some really questionable choices. He did. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Animal House has a very creepy shit in it. Uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. There's a lot of that. Like these these movies that are that are beloved and classics push some buttons that are probably bad. And then you go to the, you go to the seventies and it was a different vibe. You go to the sixties and it got more and more, but I think the eighties was the first decade where teen movies was a thing, a real thing that was mm-hmm. not like just American graffiti or whatever, um, or taxi driver. Um, wh- did the nineties do it better? No, I'm sure not. I mean, I, I think one thing that you can differentiate with fast times is that, um, it gave some of the female characters, you know, obviously Jennifer Jason Lee, a voice. It actually gave them a characters where usually in these movies they're the prize, right? So like, and that's what they are. That's that's what the women are. So, um, but I don't. The nineties, I'm sure, didn't do that much better. So there's okay. That's where I was going to is now because the world is so. I mean, for the most part, people have a more sober and humane approach to other people when it comes to celluloid like this. You think about the book smarts and the super bads, even though that they're sure. doing, they're trying to get laid and they're trying to do stuff. There's the people that are making these movies are, are, are being, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, a mirror to society and they're, and they're smart. So I think this generation may be better off, but at what cost? I think you need a little bit of that stink somewhere in there too, where it's where, where they are kind of a little, a little weird, a little dangerous in a way. I mean, Cusack, I think Cusack, you think like Better Off Dead was sweet. Uh, One Crazy Summer, say anything. Like he did a good job of kind of navigating those waters and, and not mm-hmm. being too much. I, I don't remember much about uh, The Sure Thing. I know that um, I love that movie growing up, but I have a feeling that would be a tough watch now. Well, I don't know. Like, is, you know, I think the, one of the key things, and I'm certain, I think, like I was saying, and it's just the, to give some to give even though these are like obviously you know male driven comedies for the most part to give a, some character to those to the the people in those films to give some actually character to the to the love interests goes a long way now you're talking about booksmart which is the whole other thing you know like well it's it's from the, it's it's from a different perspective but it is it isn't the whole other thing but it still has raunch and all that stuff. I mean, it you know, it, you're talking about but it's, lose some of the dirt. Right, but it's you know? raunch that has a that's a little bit more focused. Well, you know, like obviously people want to you know, you see all these people that think movies are too woke or whatever too and they want to kind of regress back to something what, like the heavenly kid? No, I think that, I think that I think there's a balance that needs to happen. I, Would you recommend this movie? That's what I'll ask. Not in the least. Hard, hard to recommend. But I will say this, Lewis Smith. Um, I would have liked to have seen more of him in movies. Absolutely, he he's he's like uh, he's like a he's you know he reminds me of sort of is uh, our boy um, John Grise. Oh, Grise, okay. So he's one of those guys who's really likable. Who is he, he's had a you know he's he's lived in the margins, deserves better. Yeah, like he, like you, you mentioned you. I forgot, but he was in Buckaroo Banzai, Banzai, which you know he kind of playing a cool character there too, right? And um, 
Southern Comfort, we which we did well, last year at some point. Um, he played a guy that dies in quicksand, right? Doesn't he die in quicksand? Yeah, I think I think there's also a very distinct cause and effect here. Okay. His name. I'm, oh. I'm yawning thinking about his name. Yeah, it's a dreadfully forgettable, boring name. He should have gone. Right. Out, he should have gone deep. He should have gone in there and had his name changed. I mean, think about how many. Like Will Smith is he? It must be super talented, or Scientology must have some powers because that name should not allow him to succeed, and yet he has. Lewis Smith right. just, oh, poor guy, just fell down. But he, if he'd gone by like you know rocket monkey or something like that or like you know i don't know man i think you can succeed with smith let's go through it kevin smith who no, give me some great, i'm glad i'm like how you said succeed and that was the first place you went give me some other smith cody mcphee smith agent smith i, I don't i mean who is the smith jimmy smith i mean who who's there how many smiths morrissey jimmy smith Smith Gaylord. I mean, who? I mean, John Jacob Jingleheimer. You know what he should have done? Nick? Cut the Lewis. Well, no, the Lewis is definitely the, the the offender, and the spelling of Lewis too doesn't help. I'm just saying that. What if he just went by Smith? Yeah, with a Y. <laughs> There's something. You're right. That that is a good. All right, think about this. No. I'm gonna for, okay. I'm gonna do a little bit of research before I before I kill it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm gonna. I, I found an. I, I know an analogy. There's somebody else who could have had the same career. Um, what about Charles Martin Smith? Uh, you're not okay. So uh, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't be constantly talking every day about this actor if he'd used his real name. You know, Leon Preston Robinson, right? Right. He's like fuck that Leon, and now we have a fucking superstar that we can't see enough of. So if Leon. That guy, who I love, do you think he would have succeeded if it was Leon Preston Robinson trying to get acting jobs? You're right. You know, you know, Lewis Smith did show up in Django Unchained. I don't remember yeah, he him gets, from that. He gets destroyed. He gets killed. Does yeah, he, he, did you know that was him? James Remar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or James, one of those guys. Yeah, he gets killed rather quickly. After the Heavenly Kid, it seems like that's kind of the Heavenly Kid was. It just didn't turn out for him after that. It, it didn't lead to anything great. Like he kind of did some TV, you know, at maybe the heavenly kid, we can't zoom in this hard, but maybe it was a box office disaster. No, I, I mean, I think you're missing the point here. Okay. I, I'll usually, I mean, after God created the earth, what did he do? He rested. I mean, Lewis knew he had fucking sailed it out of the park. He sat back. He's like, I'm going to let some other people coast for a while. Like, give some other jobs out there. I do believe he rested <laughs> before putting in a, the correct amount of work. Um, I think so. It was, I think it was not out. a failure. It wasn't? It did almost $4 million against a budget of almost $4 million. So it didn't, people didn't run to the theater to see Heavenly Kid? Nope. So, um, oh my God, I, I was I was one of these fucking people. Let's compare it. Heaven Can Wait did almost a hundred. The Chris Rock Heaven movie did o- over seventy. Did it really? Whew. 
The re- is that a remake of Heaven Can Wait? I think so. Which something like Down that. to Earth. Heaven yeah. Can Wait was a remake too, I believe. Chris Rock. No, th- that's not a remake. But Heaven, I think Heaven Can Wait was a remake. Is that right? Warren Beatty. Yep. That movie freaked me out as a kid. I used to watch it all the time on HBO. That and another movie that is has a. I'm going to see if you can name it. Shares a word with this movie. With this, with this, and the title, uh, the Heartbreak Kid. Nope. Um, oh, oh, heavenly dog! Uh, yeah, of course. Where Chevy Chase dies and comes back as a dog, of course, as Benji, with 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 Chevy Chase's voice. Which I guarantee you, and I haven't seen this, but I bet you that dog pervs. I bet you a million dollars that he pervs in that movie. Do you think he does? I bet he pervs. Are we are we talking pink? I'm just talking about. There's got to be some weird dog oogling ogling in that film. I mean, that is such a weird. What a weird. No, I mean the whole one of the whole things about being like being able to be incognito or invisible or anonymous Mm -hmm. is that you could fall prey to your carnal desires. Yeah, of course. That's like the that goes back to the Invisible Man, right? Yeah. So I get it. You know, mm-hmm. I get it. I'm a dog. I'm fucking watching everything. I'm, I'm going to watch things all over the place. The man's best friend even tried. I mean, it's I get it. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. you know we're fragile, tragic creatures that are imperfect, and sometimes we got to watch a dick come out. Yeah. Zoom in. Let's do the work. Wait, did you think at the end, this remind you, when they go over the cliff and you think Gedrick might die because he goes over the cliff the same way as his pop. And he doesn't, and he don't, by the way, Gedrick never finds out that Lewis Smith is his dad. Never. And there's never a dad reveal in this movie. Um, he didn't notice, if you know what I'm saying. And... And uh, he never, but but when they go over the cliff together, and then everybody thinks he's dead, but that's okay because Lewis Smith is holding up Gedrick in the air so he can then climb back up on the cliff. You know, like it did it remind you of the scene in uh, Indiana Jones, the third Indiana Jones movie? No, when Indy goes over that cliff and everybody thinks he's dead, and and about ninety other movies. No, I think that invented it. I hate when people go over cliffs like that because you know that always they're going to live. Always. Mm-hmm. Every every action film. A hero goes over a cliff, you think they're get, you're gone, and then, of course, they climb out. It'd be great if they just landed, if you just landed at the bottom and was standing up, and he's like, oh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I got lucky. I My sister knew somebody that, let me zoom in, she fell from a plane and survived. Was it? Parachute kind of half opened, but she fell from a plane. Not a passenger plane. Mud. She broke a lot of bones, but she lived. Not a passenger plane. No. she. I think she was parachuting. Yeah, para- yeah. she parachuted. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work. But she didn't die. And maybe Lewis Smith was looking over her shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to see them sweater puppies...
Um, uh, so you uh, do the work. Yeah, you're at the tattoo parlor, mm-hmm. and you have to get another heavenly kid tattoo. In addition to the one you currently have, you're gonna have to for this is gonna have to be a situation where I'm held down <laughs> against my will, and they're tattooing heavenly kid, kid uh, ink on me. <laughs> I, I am not willingly doing this. I don't want that. I don't want that to remember that movie on my skin. Yeah, but you can use it as an, an opportunity to make a statement. Oh, it can? So, like, for example, um, I've got a witch doctor, and there's a bunch of shrunken heads in the corner behind him, on mm-hmm. my, on, like on, my, on the back of my arm. And one of those heads has a little halo over it. And it's really... Elfin, stiff-ass, muscular, chewy face. It's obviously a shrunken Gedrick head. So I snuck <laughs> it in there. I snuck it in there. And and people were like, Nick, why are you walking around town strutting around with a like a like a cock, like a peacock with your strutting around? It's like, yeah, because I got a, mm-hmm. I got the uh, the effigy of a dead Jason Gedrick on my on my arm now. And I was like, I can't not be freaking aroused twenty four seven. <laughs> my elbow's got my dream on it, and so I, I'm. You put it on your elbow, the, the back of my arm. Yeah, my, I'm like above the I'm elbow. I'm gonna do that too. That's where mine goes. But I'm getting a a and and I, I will print out pictures on my on my uh, inkjet printer here for and take it into the tattoo parlor, uh, tatties. That's where I go, and. uh and hand them these, and I go, look, just create this. And it is going to be a perfect perfect rendition of the wedding cake, the high school cafeteria wedding cake. So then I can show that, and everybody will go, is that the wedding cake from Heavenly Front or Heavenly Kid? <laughs> is that the cafeteria cake? So did, that's cool that you brought the Taddy notice when you brought it in? or. <laughs> that's what i do like my wife like i'll leave here sometimes and she's like where are you you're going out you're risking i hope you're wearing a mask where are you going you're going shopping what do you i'm going to tatties <laughs> i get my heavenly kid tattoo <laughs> um oh she's like i hope you're doing the cake yeah that's <laughs> she knows you I'm she doing. knows you well um yeah. so we're talking about another little another little she's like, what's nick getting is he doing some shrunken head thing with gedrick or <laughs> yeah that's what he's doing so we talked about a new feature here. So we get to pitch the sequel to Heavenly Kid. How what's oh, the, yeah. how would you make a, a Heavenly Kid part two? Well, it's tempting to have like a just feature length, uh, you know, movie about Lenny's funeral. <laughs> <laughs> but I got to think. What? Yeah, have you thought about this at all? Or is this just like... I mean, this is... I just know that we've mentioned bringing this in and it seems like a good opportunity. Okay. Well, if if ever a movie deserved a sequel, <laughs> right? And this movie does end with Lewis Smith getting in, into heaven and, and you're like, wonder what heaven's going to look like. They keep talking about it uptown and they show him um, uh, going on an escalator up to up to heaven, but they they freeze it before they show you any production design of what heaven might look like. Well, then, and then they show from the, from the top looking down and you start to see the werewolf at the top of the frame approaching the escalator. <laughs> and Lewis was like the werewolf got into heaven. 
Well, I don't understand the system. Um, I like the fu the funeral idea is pretty pretty rock solid. I mean, it's pretty bulletproof. <laughs> it's pretty good. So my Heavenly Kid sequel is uh Kazmarek is uh it's a few years, you know, it's a few years down the line. She's been coping with this idea that she actually met a poltergeist, uh, and that her the love of her life who deceased was came back and said goodbye, and she was really moved by that. And then she hears that her son was killed in an awful car accident. Uh and and basically she she goes to the scene of the crime and he's just scattered, like his his face is all over the paper, like he's completely done. And um, and then uh, she uh, she summons Lewis Smith back down from heaven, um, and they just sit there and they fucking pop open a beer and just look at that fucking wreckage for hours. <laughs> and they're clinking glasses, and he, you know, he's he's you know taking taking every every liberty he can, and uh, the the body is just getting older and older. <laughs> But what would it be called? Oh, I didn't. Even uh, uh, it'd be like a Mad Max Road Warrior. Like it would, it, the naming convention would change. Gedrick Road. <laughs> uh, it'll be called uh, Rock Solid Afternoon. <laughs> so my so my uh, my sequel idea is that Lewis. Smith, Bobby gets up to heaven mm -hmm. and, you know, he finds that much like when he was earthbound, everybody in heaven thinks he's cool, right? Like they, they also think he's the, the shit and he has, he gets a girlfriend in heaven that gets uh, somebody, you know, another, another angel then tries to make a pass. That, so they gets in the same situation in heaven that he did on earth where there's a, a chicken race off a cloud and then he ends up dying back to life on earth <laughs> and it's <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah and and it it's funny because this is gonna blow you away though is that then jason gedrick plays his you know, his life is still alive angel that helps is this newly, his newly, you know, back in the flesh dad. And Jason Gedrick um, rides around in a cloud like Lakita. <laughs> I was, I was there. I was going to introduce you his best friend in heaven. <laughs> but then they, and it's called, is this one's called the heavenly Ged? <laughs> it'd be funny Kid I think it'd be funny yeah, if God is sent to hell for bringing Gedrick to heaven So you've been uh, tasked with an enterprise uh, based around the Heavenly Kid. You're right. You got you got the funding. Uh, it's time for you to build your business. Where, where are you going to take it? What kind of marketing do you think they did around this? That's that's the one thing we need to start looking into. 
is how do they promote this thing? You know, the tagline is, uh, "Oh, he going to look at some tits." And the post the, the the poster is sort of iconic until you look at Jason Gedrick's fucking battered face. Like it's it's a very classy poster. But then you gotta look at him on a regular basis. And he, and he, you know, he doesn't have a neck, it's just his head, it's like a chud. His head is the same width as his neck. That's the I think that's the big mystery about him. It's like a a, a defeated mushroom fucking nightmare gelfling fucking piece of shit face okay <laughs> my god well who got great in his 30s love jason gedrick now my thing is uh i've got a i've got a flash mob assembled uh and uh-huh. they have a roll-up movie screen projector all that shit and they and what they do is they'll they'll crash a funeral and they'll They'll throw up the screen and the, and the flash mob will start. They'll play Heavenly Kid on the screen and they'll have a sock hop right around everybody doing like orchestrated dance moves. Mm-hmm. And they'll, it'll be like Rocky Horror Picture Show where they know every line and they're singing along with everything and they're, they just know it nails to the nail. And, uh, you know, they got everybody's quoting, you know, Fantana. They're fucking everybody's fake beating up, uh, you know, Gallo, it's fucking beautiful. And then as quickly as they came, they disappear into the fucking night. I like how you reference Gallo yeah. too. MVP MVP of this film. He's got a, a buddy bully with him in this. <clears throat> he's got a best friend bully. Just a little bit. We forgot to mention that guy. He he's the guy that flags the race at the end. Right. You know, does the flag and let you know starts the race. Which should have been Sharon's job, I think, in another movie that you know, the, the, the popular girl that Jason Gedrick was lusting after. And that's what, I guess that's where that I'll, I'll take her as my, uh, did they ever make a video game for this movie, Nick, a Atari video game or anything? I think so. Then I'd make another one, but focused on the Sharon character. And so the game would be a little bit like a dark souls type game. Yeah, and it's not about Gedrick. All right. Not about Gedrick, not about Lewis Smith. And, uh, <laughs> you'd play Sharon. And so then the, you know, they, the movie, the movie, it's like the game's like the movie. It starts playing out against around you, your scenes, and you cannot move or do anything. Okay. Your character. And let's say you're playing the game and watching it unfold, <clears throat> and you get off of the couch or something to get a drink, and you accidentally touch your controller. It's game over because <laughs> you accidentally moved, Sharon. Yeah, she made her do something by mistake, and so <laughs> that's that's it. That's the game. Is that she has to remain completely still, or it's completely you have to start from the beginning. It's that's why it's like Dark Souls. Yeah. Well, I mean, I game. mean, mobile gaming is like really huge right now, so mm. a mobile gaming gaming might also work. Do you think yeah. so? Well, yeah, I was talking about if I produced it back then. If I had to do it now, of course, I'd do like an iPad game where you couldn't touch the iPad. Yeah. And if you had like a move, like sort of movement, a sense like like a one of those things like a motion controller, like it could sense that you're in the room. If sometimes if you breathe too hard, it's game over. Right, and then yeah, and, and then there's a I, I I know what you're talking about. Can I can I beg for an expansion pack? Of where course. um, 
I'm hoping crossing my fingers it would be that popular. Yeah. You so know? you know, there's a scene where maybe Sharon like starts to to move her lips to answer a question, and right as mm -hmm. her mouth starts to part, a wizard kicks her into a volcano. <laughs> well, that's the same as Game Over, right? I think there's a little bit more flourish though. Yeah. And I like the idea of of watching Sharon burn. Um, yeah. so you're in the movie, you're in the heavenly kid, you're a piece of it. Where does it, where do you take shape later on in the movie? There's a scene where, when he finds out that Jason Gedrick's his son, he's in, he's in the, he's in purgatory, having a cigar and celebrating with the other people who are trapped in purgatory. Mm -hmm. So I'm, a, I'm one of those people that's trapped in purgatory and I'm, and I'm like, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of being here. I need, I need something to happen. And then Lo and behold, Lewis Smith shows up and he starts bragging about having a kid. And it's Jason Gedrick. He likes a cigar. And I smother him with a pillow. <laughs> My character would be a doctor that would have to break the news to Sharon's parents that their daughter is going blind. That she must, there must be something. We can't figure it out. There's something wrong. We don't know what happened. She was cool. She was dating and, and hanging out with the right people. She's successful in school. And then there's a sudden turn of events where she started being interested in the wrong thing. And so you have to break the news to his parents. Not only is she going blind, but <clears throat> she might be she might be possessed by like a demon. That would be a good horror film, right? To explain a whole movie. That might be a sequel to explain her attraction to Gedrick, you know? And the parents are like she's she's getting blind well at least she's not fucking jason gedrick and the doctor's like wait hold that that's what i'm saying that's why they brought her I in no but they, they, they that's when the parents really that's when the family comes apart that's my one thing in this that's what i want to do in this life is to restore the honor of sharon look man you're on this island you're floating around on the sea you've gathered a bunch of accumulated debris from various films and now it's time for the the coup de gras. You got to bring a piece of the heavenly kid to your special place. That might be like the, you know how you, you keep putting things on something and then eventually it, it just sinks. Right. From too much weight. The heavenly kid, kid item that, that might be the one bridge too far from my Island. No, it's like, know? no, it's like you're, you're doing a nice job of a sort of like gathering kitsch. And then all of a sudden mm -hmm. you're TGI Fridays. You know, it's like there's a fucking bicycle on the wall and, you know, you don't know where where your life went. Yeah, you, know, you got like a yeah. sign that says, you know, yield over the toilet. And you're like, maybe I, I I got overboard, which we're doing on episode 211. <laughs> is, is that Kurt Russell? Yeah. yeah. And Goldie Hawn, that overboard? Yeah. Or the new no. one with Anna no, Ferris? No, no, no. Okay. <clears throat> I don't know, man. There's too much. You know, what I might take on my island. There's a a woman. I like you where you're going. Beginning of this film, I know the beginning of this film when when Bobby Lewis or Bobby uh, Lewis Smith, Bobby uh, Fontana, whatever his name is, uh, <clears throat> first travels to limbo after he dies from that tram, and he's going up an escalator like he's at like the train station or whatever, and there's a bunch of his recently dead people with you know recently yeah. past people with him going up this escalator and one of them 
is a woman that is dressed up like she is a uh, fortune teller and she has a crystal ball in her hand. Yeah. That is obviously a bowling ball. That is not a crystal ball. Okay. I would take that bowling ball <clears throat> with me, you know, and that's pretty great. You might think, well, Justin, why don't you just use a coconut tonight to use the bowling ball? I'd, I'd like to take an actual bowling ball, please. And that is very shiny. It could double as a mirror, you know, a warped mirror. But yeah, that's what I'd take. What about um, you? I would have a um, very high tech uh, home theater system for one purpose. We're talking mm-hmm. like a, a hundred, two hundred inch screen, uh, beautiful. And I, I, mm-hmm. there's a, you have to walk a path to it. It's it's like a well lit alley. Everything. It's like a really big presentation. As you step, it's like in the Billy Jean video. Like each step lights up as you walk towards the screen. Jeez. And you get there, and this sixty thousand dollar setup is just a loop of three seconds of of footage from the Heavenly Kid. And it's and and that's and I and I honestly I, I I'm not even allowed to bring guests there because I go there and I instantly furiously jackhammer myself because it's a loop of the three seconds where everybody thinks that he died on, on the cliff. <laughs> Wait, you're telling me you're not allowed to uh, bring guests to the island that you're stranded? I know on? they're all over the island, but this is my Wait. sanctum. This is my Darth Who's Vader all? chamber. Okay. You know, like where Darth Vader goes in there, his little bald head, the little thing closes and he smashes it. Everybody you can go to the waterfall. You can go over to the Georgie. You, you can do all sorts of shit on my island. But this is my this is my deep space. You know, I go down there and I get hyperbolic and I watch that loop and I shit myself with fucking ecstasy. And a movie that is trying to be, you know, um, ribald a little bit and sexy. That's the scene right there. The sexiest scene in the film that the moment you think, and that's where you would end it. Yeah. The cargo, the, cliff, the, the yeah, genuine right. grief on Kazmarek's face, uh, yeah. the, the gasps of fear and the idea that, you know, every time it's like a fresh moment, maybe he didn't grab that cliff. Maybe Smith actually like when he, he actually smashed him downward, uh, as they <laughs> hit, as they hit free air, you know? He like uh, did a he's like spiked the Gedrick like a volleyball. Exactly. You know? Like yeah. yeah. Like he died faster and harder than he ever could have in the car. <laughs> so yeah. You think he regretted catching him at the beginning of the film? No doubt. He does re- he does reference the fact that Gedrick has turned into a bit of a jerk. He does re- he does reference that a couple times in the movie. Yeah. This kid he's like, this kid is a, a dick, you know? Well, I, I like the I, I, why he's walking with such confidence. I don't understand. He looks like a goofball, you know? I think it would be great if... Because if you actually were... If you jumped off a cliff and somebody ca- caught you, that's two deaths, right? It, mm-hmm. Your body's going to get all scattered from the impact, and that guy's arms are going to fly off, and it's going to be dumb. <laughs> I think it would be great if, if... Best intentions, he sticks his arms out, and Jason Gedrick is just fucking jennifer Connolly to a pulp down there and he's just looking at this bag of shit that's jason kedrick just hating on him and he drops the the sack of shit and then walks off and mulligan's like mission accomplished let's go to heaven i think with how they should this is i i'm gonna do you one better i think that's a good ending a good 
part, uh, an update to that scene, what I would do, he falls off the cliff into the arms of um, Bobby, right? Bobby catches him. Bobby gently lays him down the bottom of the quarry, you know, the, the floor of the quarry. And then the guy from Midsummer comes out with his yeah, mallet. And then the, uh, or, or, he, or he drops him and Doc Ock catches him and shreds him asunder down there. Like he's, he's like just picking him apart like a spider, you know, just like little, little, little piece of little wrist here. You know, he's got his wrist over here. He's got that awful hair over here, just ripping him away. Or what if like uh, Lewis goes to catch his falling son from the cliff and then uh, forgets that he's like corporeal, whatever that word is. Uh huh. He can't, he doesn't have a form. He just, and Gedrick just speeds right through those, those, you know, those arms uh, right to the quarry ground. You know, these are he's like, Oh, I forgot. I forgot. That's why I supposed, I supposed to turn myself back to flesh for this part. This would be the Fort Knox of spank banks. If that were the case.
Belly under there, but shit, you gotta call that motherfucking extraterrestrial.